On this episode of So Many Sequels, we're watching Star Wars Return of the Jedi. So let's get Han out of that carbonite and stop Darth Vader once and for all. everybody, welcome to So Many Sequels. I am Josh. I am Andrew. I'm Garrett. And we're here today to talk about Star Wars Return of the Jedi. The last one. The last one of this particular trilogy, released in May 1983, directed by Richard Marquand, written by Lawrence Kasdan and George Lucas, and starring our three favorite space heroes, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, and many other great actors. Oh, yeah. I'm related to one of them. Which one? I'm not going to tell. You're a liar. Yep. That's why I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> well. You, you can tell me your secret safe with me. Yeah, yeah, whisper it into the microphone if yeah. you could. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I'll work on that. So, before we get into, into Jedi, we'll talk about where we left off here. Empire. Great movie. We established that last time. Yeah. Uh, one of the best movies, period. The One of the best Star Wars, unquestionable. Uh, we left off, though, in a bad place for our heroes. Han Solo is frozen in carbonite. What? Who knows where he is now. Mm. Uh, the Empire is rising. They have striked back. Striked? Stricken? Struck. Struck back? Yeah. Is that the term? That'll work. The Empire struck back with a vengeance, and things just aren't looking so great. Nope. Bum, bum, bum. So here we are. Now I'm scared. You should be scared. We're in, we're in Return of the Jedi. Where we see the 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 culmination of Luke uh, being introduced to the Jedi Order or the Jedi ways, I suppose would be the the best way to do it. His teachings from Yoda, um, the destruction of the Death Star, the reveal that Darth Vader, the most evil man in the galaxy, no. is his father. What? And here we are now at Return of the Jedi. So let's talk about what went down or what we think went down. Between Empire and Return for these characters. Because there's about a six-month time gap between the events of Empire and the events of Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So what, what what went down there? What do we think went down there? What do you think? Now, so- I, I'm sure if there's some super Star Wars people listening, I'm sure the book said what happened. Sure. <laughs> I'm sure they did. And we're probably, everything we say is probably going to be wrong. Because we haven't read the books. Yeah, we have not read the books. But, so yeah, there's a six-month time gap. I looked it up. And I think, so they took Han back to Jabba's base, which we learned pretty early in the movie. Yep. Uh, I think that they had to go back. I don't know where the heroes would have gone. Um, but they had to strategize as to what was going to happen. Yeah. They had to formulate a plan. And the beginning of the movie is them attempting to execute the plan. But... My question is, do we think that Luke, Leia, and uh, Lando were all involved in the plan together, or did they go their separate ways? Because Luke and uh, Lando, or Leia and Lando, start off the movie together, and then Luke shows up later, and then the droids start off like they're part of Luke. So are they connected, or are there two separate plans that kind of form in the middle? Yeah, I don't know. It seems like Luke just likes to do his own thing. Yeah. So it's very possible to me that he just went off and did his own thing. Yeah, he's got his own party going. Because we know, we don't know how, watching the movie, again, ignoring any possible explanations in books written later, but we don't know 
how Luke became as skilled as he is. Yeah, that was one of the notes that I initially made when I went to rewatch this movie because uh, in the movie, after they execute their plans to do all that, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but then Luke goes back to the Dagobah system to meet up with Yoda because he was like, I gotta finish what I started. So he, in that six-month gap, he did not go back nope. to Yoda. Kenobi's dead. So who taught Luke all of the ways of the Jedi? That's a question that I have, and and I'm sure, again, people probably know, but in the movies, that seems like a pretty big thing. Right, you don't know. It seems like a like a significant hole yeah. in the plot mm-hmm. at the time. But what, what's he been doing? How did he get so good? Because who's training him? Right. Because we know it's not Yoda because of when he goes back to Dagobah later. So, and and we there's no other Jedi that we know of, and we later confirm that there's not any. Mm-hmm. So, did he just go out to a planet somewhere and start swinging his lightsaber till he got good? And like, what is this? Yeah, How playing. did he perfect the Force so well? I don't know. Uh, it's a very. It, it, I'd like to. I'd like to know. It's interesting, but you know, it. I wonder if. Nah, that's a little too far fetched. But like. I'm just say it. Okay, do it. Let's. There's no too far fetched. Okay, friggin' Star Wars. So we know that when. <laughs> so we know that whenever a Jedi dies, they become like this ghost spirit. Yeah, sure. Maybe the ghost spirits taught him. Yeah, that's because, that's very possible. Because yeah. you know, if you recall back in the third one, it Star Wars Episode Three, all of them died. Like, like a lot of them died. Now, maybe not all of them, but right. but all of them died. Well, and later, we do see Obi-Wan return mm-hmm. to Luke as the Force spirit thing. He's walking. So, who knows? Maybe maybe somebody did come back and, and help teach him yeah. the ways of the Force. But you gotta wonder what he's been up to mm. these six months. And to on that note, we see that... We start the movie seeing that Darth Vader is visiting the new Death Star... So they made significant progress in six months. Sure. And that, yeah. <laughs> that's another thing that I would like addressed in the time gap because uh, nobody really knows how long it took them, in, at least to my knowledge, to build the original Death Star. So in six months, they made a new one that was how big? How much bigger than the original? Uh, from what I read, 460% bigger. Right. And so now, granted, it was not complete. Yeah. But I mean, if you're going to make something that big in six months, that's pretty... I mean, they got a lot done. That's a that, lot done. It's very efficient. We'll yeah. give them that. I'll give them credit for that. They they build better than they shoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing, though, <laughs> that I can't help but think about is whenever some hotshot pilot blows up your Death Star as easily as they did, the last thing I'm going to do is build another one. Sure. With the same flaws. With the same flaws. Because <laughs> later, it's destroyed almost as easily. Yeah. And you think that in that six-month time, with that much building, they they would have had to have come up with some different plans, which I imagine would take a little while. You would think. So while they're efficient in building, they're not very good at planning. No. No, uh, no. I feel like they just build a big cardboard square. Not square, <laughs> circle, like a sphere. They just built a sphere out of cardboard. Yeah. And called it good. Yeah. They put like a gas. They were like, "Let's make this one bigger, so the target's bigger." Yeah. So, and they built an engine made out of like you know, like a lawnmower parts and a giant gasoline tank. And what happens? Boom. You also got to think about the sheer manpower the Empire must have. 
Because mm-hmm. so many people must have died on that first Death Star. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yet they had enough people to fill another Death Star that's even bigger? <laughs> yeah. Did anyone ask that question? <laughs> Who are, where are these people coming from? They used the Force. I don't know that they are. I guess uh, Vader might they be. They must be drafting people left and right. I want to know. If, if you know the answers to these questions, let us know. Because I legitimately have, I'm curious. Yeah, I want to know what happened. Like, seriously. Like, these are questions that we don't, you know, we don't even know the answers to. So, so while Vader is inspecting his new, bigger but the same Death Star, uh, our heroes are off trying to figure out how to get back Han Solo. Uh, he has been frozen in carbonite by... Uh, Vader basically. Yeah. When he yeah. uh was so Han was sold out by Lando at Cloud City and um was then literally frozen and sold to Jabba the Hutt mm-hmm. for the bounty, I guess. So now we've got Lando is with K- uh, not Carrie. <laughs> Lando's with Leia trying to plan an escape because Lando didn't really sell him out. Right. He was kind of, his hand was forced. Yeah. But that's what happened. Yeah. So now he's trying to get him back. Yeah. So they're, they're hatching their plan to sneak in and get Han back. Mm-hmm. What did we think about this? This was pretty, I thought this was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it, if, it, if it's anything, what you could say is, is that I think if there's run, one running theme of the entire movie is that um, it's, there's a lot of, re, there's a lot of redemption in this. If anything, it probably should have been called Redemption of the Jedi. I mean, <laughs> probably. But anyway, that's another thing. That's another day. But uh, I think it's cool that they hatched this plan. I think it's uh, it shows a highly redeemable quality of Lando, and it shows just how much how much his friendship with Han actually matters. Yeah. If anything, I thought that they might have. It might have been better to make us wait for Han a little longer. It was pretty quick. I thought yeah, that just, he, we saved him a little too easily. It just happened. Like, like, like that's it. Well, and it's almost, they knew it was happening. So they, because uh, whenever they thaw him out, I guess, frozen thaw him out, uh, they're all hiding behind the curtain like they knew it was going to happen. So they didn't really try to prevent the rescue. I mean, they ended, they ended up capturing them at the end. But yeah, I would have liked, now that you mentioned it, to have maybe maybe wait, make us wait a little for Han there. Right? Yeah. So, not all goes according to plan, though. No. And Han and uh, uh, Leia and them are all, like, they're recaptured, basically. Mm-hmm. And Leia is captured and turned into a slave, which is a major bummer. Yeah. But uh, an interesting twist on her character, so we get to see her kind of... Uh, really, uh, I keep wanting to say physically, but I don't think that's the word I'm looking for. We get to visually see her reject the uh, stereotype of a princess that we've talked about in previous episodes. How yeah. her character is already uh, the anti-princess. Yeah. And now we see her get forced into mm-hmm. a role that's not hers. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. And I think that says a lot for me watching the movie and knowing what I know you know, in the future of Leia and in the past two movies of Leia, it really just adds an extra layer of scum to Jabba because he's the one that did it. So, again, her whole character has been anti-princess, essentially. The anti-princess stereotype. 
She's been taking guns. She's been taking the lead. She's been ordering people around. She's not afraid to get her hands dirty. And she's been covered, essentially. She's not been sexualized. And this is the first time that she's been sexualized. And in an article... So I was looking into... I I wanted to see what Carrie Fisher thought about her and that bikini. And I guess at some point in time, there was a father who was getting action figures for his daughters and ran across an action figure of Leia in the bikini. And so I guess they asked her about it, and she said, I guess the father said that he had been shocked to see that version as an offer for young children, and she told him to tell them that a giant slug captured me and forced me to wear that stupid outfit, and then I killed him because I didn't like it, and then I took it off backstage, because that's really the only time that you see her in that. And again, Jabba is forcing her to wear this, and it gives you a little bit of a shock factor to the Leia character, but then, at the end, she is the one that gets the ultimate one-up as she kills Jabba, who is forcing her to be degraded as to what her character has been. And I thought that was a pretty... Even though it's a skimpy little outfit, it's an empowering moment Mm -hmm. to be able to take that and come out on top. Yeah, Yeah, and that's a huge moment, because she kills him in such a... (laughs) barbaric way she like yeah. strangles Jabba to death with his own with her own chain mm-hmm. yeah. which is wild and then you get to see that nasty tongue action <laughs> uh, speaking of though I know Andrew has a bunch of a bunch of facts about Jabba and how they made him work and this would be this is a, what a great time to talk about Jabba than about the time where Leia strangles him uh, over the sand dunes <laughs> so okay how what Job is huge. Job is big. He's big, and we know that at least when the movie was made, yeah. there's not uh, the same. There's not the level of, of CGI uh, effects that there, there are in the special editions. The CGI in, yeah. in the originals is basically just like lightsabers, and even that's like a lot of uh, they, yeah. they stuck with the traditional. Yeah. So, how many people did it take to to get Jabba going? Okay. So, from what I've read, there was six people that actually ran Java. When they designed him, he, first off, he cost over half a million dollars to make. Um, and that's wild alone. I don't know the, the uh, inflation rate, but that's a lot of money in, in 1980 money. 83. Eight, well, it would have been filmed even before then. Yeah. We're talking 82, 81, possibly. Yeah. And, you know, the design aspect. But, but, but past We've got an expensive, expensive prop. Yeah. Slash costume. Mm-hmm. And it's it's got a lot of parts to it. Six puppeteers worked it. So, like, one person was working... One person by themselves was working the tail. And uh, two people were working the, the body and the torso. And they, they were working the hands. One person was working the eyes. Another person was working the mouth and the tongue. Another person... Uh, there was one person even working the cigar in, the, in Jabba's pipe. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And, uh, but... Yeah, I mean, that's six people were running that, and it just shows you just how much like puppeteering and something like that matters and how they make it made it come to life. Uh, if you ever hear, I mean, if you ever watch the movie again and you hear Jabba's tongue going, all that is is Ben Burt, the, ja- the sound designer, running his fingers through like, uh, like chicken casserole or something like that, sort of like macaroni and cheese. But he was running it through some sort of a casserole and just made this 
gooey sound. And it's just absolutely gross. Yeah, that is super gross. But, you know, that's just, I think that's what makes the movie, especially these movies, more special is just how it really looks. You know? Yeah, well, the practical effects are... Amazing. Amazing. And that's why I've been so glad that when uh, J.J. Abrams took over the, the new trilogy that he made this commitment to to practical effects. That's good. Because it, it looks, it just looks better because mm-hmm. it's real and you know it's real. Yeah, mm-hmm. for me, this movie does a really good slash bad, depending on how you look at it, job of comparing and contrasting the practical effects and the digital effects because of the, going back to one of the original scenes in Jabba's uh, palace or whatever, you have in the re-release versions, the digital version of that song that they sing, yeah, where it just looks terrible digitally. the The characters look fake. I mean, they are fake, but like they're obviously fake. Yeah. Whereas Jabba and some of the other creatures that they have in there with the practical effects are noticeably more realistic. Yeah, that's a that's a uh, unfortunate thing that I think a lot of filmmakers have to deal with now. That it's, I mean, it's 2018 now, and a lot of uh, CGI effects, they look pretty, they can look pretty real now. They can look pretty real. Uh, a lot of them are very realistic, mm-hmm. and they just weren't like that in no. the 90s and even into the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So these, the, the CGI additions to the special editions just don't hold up like the practical effects do. No. Practical effects hold up better than 90s. Yeah. Uh, CGI mm-hmm. and at the time it didn't because at the time it looked amazing yeah like wow these those things look super real yeah but they don't hold up no they just don't hold up over time no some do not a lot no they don't yeah um so that's that's wild though about six people I actually as you were talking I looked up this look at that the people listening can't see it and neither can Andrew because he's on the other side of me but there's like a <laughs> diagram that shows how the people we're in Jabba. That's yeah. pretty wild. There's like two people sitting side by side almost in his head yeah. with one arm in one arm and the other guy got his arm in the other arm and one of them has like the hand up in the mouth. Yeah. So it's like that and then you got a person in the tail with like a stick moving the tail. Yeah. You got a guy who looks like he has a fishing pole holding what I assume is his facial expressions. Yeah. And then... This is my favorite dude right here who's like under under the floor. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> here, let me have a look. I guess like moving his stomach or something where like you, that. Where you see that right here? You no, know, this guy who's literally laying down under the floor. Oh, yeah. Him right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know what he's... I think he's... He might be controlling the eyes. You think down there? He might be controlling... He, he's holding on to some kind of thing. I wish... Uh, because like that was one of the things... I wish people I, could see this. That was one of the things I saw. Like... His eyes by themselves, by the way, are just, they're just two, they're just two little robots. That's all they are. And, and somebody's got to be down there, like, tracking them and making sure they work right. So, even, even blinking requires a puppeteer. This puppet weighed one ton. Yep. 2,000 pounds. That's a shame, because I was just about to say full-size Jabba costume sounds like a great Halloween costume. Yeah. One, (laughs) one ton, three months to make it. That is crazy. The puppet had its own makeup artist. Yep. That it was the largest ever used in a motion picture. Wow. That's bananas. That is bananas. 
the stuff you you find out if you read. Who'd have thunk? Also, Who'd have thunk? oh, sorry. Also, one thing I should add is that if you turn this, if you mute the movie while watching his scenes, and you just repeat the words, like re- repeat the subtitled text is going on, his mouth actually moves with the words. Even though he's saying, he's even speaking though, another language? Even though he's speaking another language. That's so another you, fun fact. Why, why do you know that? <laughs> uh, I, I used to watch a bunch of like Star Wars documentaries growing up. Uh, I, I got really into it. I thought, about, I thought about watching this with the commentary. Maybe I should have. That's probably a smart idea. Yeah. Certainly would learn things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This, this was, well, what I watched is not on the DVDs. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's called from, it's called from Star Wars to, Star Wars to Jedi. Hmm. And it's, I think it's on YouTube. Uh, I got it on videotape whenever I was a kid and growing up. Like, sure. And that was like, I, I watched the, I watched the living hell out of that movie. <laughs> I, I watched the living hell out of that thing. And it was like, told me everything about the Star Wars saga up until episode one. So, so back into the movie, um, Luke has returned to Jabba's palace to break out his friends, 3PO, R2, yep. K- uh, Leia, Han, Chewie. Was Lando there too? Was he captured? Mm-hmm. I can't even remember. He wasn't captured, but he was part of the plan to break him right. out. That's right. Basically, everyone Luke knows right now is in Jabba's palace. So he goes in to break him out. Not, doesn't happen. He falls into, he gets put into the rancor pit. He fights him, kills it with the with making the gate fall down on it, which yeah. was cool. And uh, Jabba's like, "Well, that's not gonna do. <laughs> you can't beat my monster." So recaptures him, sentences them to death by sand dune. Well, I don't remember what the aliens, what the monsters the, called, Scarlack, Scarlack, Scarlack. So they go out to the planet, and this is where we see Boba Fett die, right? Yep. Given one of the most. Uh, uh, anticlimactic deaths yeah. in movie history. Dude literally just falls into the and re- into the pit of the the monster mouse. And it's really about just by dumb luck because yeah. Han Solo accidentally hits his backpack that sends him flying into the the jaw, uh, you know the barge, the floating barge, and all of a sudden dead. Right. That's it. I've never understood the over fascination with Boba Fett. I like Boba Fett. Uh, and I know that he plays a bigger part in the books, but in these original three movies, he does not have a lot of screen time, no. and I don't really understand how he garnered the, the well fan favorite. He, he doesn't got. really. He doesn't really even have maybe. A role. Maybe Andrew will know more because I don't know this. I don't know what kind of fan following Boba Fett had prior to the prequel trilogy because Boba and his father play a big role sure. in the attack got the clones uh-huh. and i don't know what i don't know how many people were head over heels for boba before then do you know uh, to was be he a on, big deal before the prequels no it wasn't like i i don't remember anybody talking about boba fett like nobody like nobody cared for him other than he had, other than he had like a really cool ship he does have a cool ship. he does have a cool ship got a cool helmet he's got a cool helmet like he like, he's got a cool helmet he's got a he's he, he looks like he looks like the badass intergalactic bounty hunter that you would imagine. But all in all, that's, that's about it. Like I can't say anything else about him other than he is what, you know, he's a bounty hunter. He's not really respected. He's one of the bad guys, but like, no, I mean, I don't know. I am in the same boat with Garrett. I don't know what the fascination is about him. He's just, he's just a, 
a minor noticeable character. I don't get it. Maybe Disney will give us a Boba Fett movie someday. I'd be on board with that. I would be on board with that. Uh, But for now, I don't get it. I don't know. Maybe a a whole other trilogy of its own. Could be. Could be. So then then our heroes make their grand escape. uh, Leia, I keep calling her Carrie. Leia kills Jabba the Hutt. Boba Fett falls into the Scarlack. The Scarlack. Scarlack. And they all all get out. Yep. And Luke returns to Dagobah Mm -hmm. to meet with Yoda. Yep. This was a big. This is an important part of the movie. I feel like we've got a lot of action up until this point, mm-hmm. and now we're getting to like Luke's. We're getting back to Luke's journey here, yeah. where he has returned to Yoda, his uh, uh, master. Yeah, getting back to his roots. Get well, sure, and trying to just learn the way of the Jedi. So Yoda makes it known that he's dying, which is kind of important, but. What I what I found interesting is that this scene was not originally supposed to be in the movie. Uh, Lucas was not going to put Yoda in there, but he spoke with an ind- or he's talked to a child psychologist, and they said that an independent character needed to confirm that Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father. Otherwise, the children wouldn't really process and grasp onto it. So that was the main reason that he went back. Uh, but I thought it was important because of the way Yoda died was also a way that Kenobi died, where they just gave themselves essentially to the Force. Yep. They didn't really do much, and so that kind of really reinforced that the Force... There's too much Force in this sentence, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do. It is the Force. So that really reinforced how powerful it is, and once you become one with it, you can give yourself to it. And that sets a scene... For all the future Star Wars that we're in. Now. Was this also the moment where uh, Luke realizes that Leia is his sister? Didn't that happen with Yoda yes. at Dagobah? Yeah. That's what uh, I thought. Because it's not only where he confirmed, it's not only where Yoda confirmed that he was also his, that, that she was his sister, but also where, spoiler alert, uh, Vader was his father. I find it interesting that the. Leia reveal is kind of just like tucked in there. Yeah. So I feel like it's a bigger deal than it gets credit for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like, so obviously it's a huge deal to find out that your nemesis is your father, but I feel like it's also a big deal to find out that your new friend and uh, co-rebel and sometimes love interest is actually your sister. And I think that's what stands out to me the most is that I, I, now everybody just knows it is common sense, but I, I want to know what the reaction was at the time because... At, at that point, before we knew, there was still an underlying of who would be the romantic interest. Would it be Luke or would it be Han that ends up with Leia? Even in that moment, Luke seems kind of like, oh, how about that? Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't even seem too, like, blown away by it. Yeah. I uh, noticed that uh, later, much later <laughs> in the movie, <laughs> like after the Battle of Endor, Leia tells Han that... Luke and Leia are our brother sister, and he has he is, the the yeah, most he, shock reaction of anyone in the movie. He is completely flabbergasted. He, uh, for the first time, is speechless. Yeah. Yeah. He just sits there and makes the craziest faces, like what? <laughs> well, I mean, what? I think at some point in time, like, well, I mean, there was a time on Endor when, you know, Le- or, uh, Luke reveals to Leia that they are brother and sister, and they just yeah. they don't. They don't. And they really, both seem like they yeah, don't. All they, right. <laughs> they don't say anything. Like 
I, I feel like the reactions are wrong. They like, are wrong. Yeah. The reactions are wrong. Yeah, because... Like, I agree. If you found out, like, 20 years later that you had a sibling that you never knew about, I think I would be blown away. Right, especially like, if that sibling was someone you'd been, like, fighting the Empire with for the past year. Yeah. Like, oh, by the way, uh, we're both related to the most evil man in the galaxy. <laughs> yeah. Also, you have force powers. Well, shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, dang. Well, I guess I pick Han, then. <laughs> And we're surrounded by a bunch of little teddy bears. Oh, uh, don't. We'll get to the teddy bears. I got a lot about that. Okay. I don't. It's just a rant. It's just <laughs> mostly me saying curse words. Uh, <laughs> before we get off the Yoda bit real quick, you might know this, but this is my little trivia for the day. The radio adaptation of this movie, it was broadcast on NPR in 1996. Do y'all know who played Yoda? Nope. Uh, You're just going to say somebody. Frank Oz? No. Get out of here. Wasn't Frank Oz. No. You, that was your guess. John Lithgow. Did really? he do a Yoda voice? I don't know. It says Yoda was played by John Lithgow. You can't... So, again, since this is a podcast, you can't see me, but my face immediately, like, scrunched in negativity when you said that. <laughs> John Lithgow's a chameleon. Mm. He really is. Mm. That's my shitty John Lithgow Just don't think he... I don't see... I don't see John Lithgow being Yoda. Yeah, I don't yeah. see that. There is a link. I feel like it would be I him will. just doing a bad impression. You know what? It could be. We'll watch the video later. Yeah, I'm intrigued by that. Did any did the original cast not return at all? Why'd they make this a radio drama? I'm now I'm mad. Why did they do it? Why they do it like almost? I have no other answer to this question. Thirteen years later, right? Why they do a radio drama? Thirteen years later in 1996 on NPR. Oh my god! I don't know. I got a lot. I got a lot. I got a lot of questions and thoughts. You're welcome. I feel like that's another podcast. Uh, Anyway, so John Lithgow played Yoda for a second. Now I'm all thrown off. So Luke, also he goes through so much in this in this Return to Dagobah, and it's kind of like it's super plot heavy. Because like I said before, the beginning of this movie up until this point is just like action, action, a weird musical number, action, 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 uh, and then like I forgot about the weird musical number, and then so now let's catch up on what you have to do now, and Luke. And Yoda basically talk about how he has to kill his father. Yeah. Yoda tells him, you have to. You have to kill Vader. It's the only way. And Luke really doesn't want to do it. That's heavy Shakespearean shit. Right. right He thinks, he just thinks he doesn't have to do it. He thinks there's another way. Doesn't want to do it. Yoda tells him he has to. Then he dies. But then before he leaves Dagobah, Obi-Wan comes back. Yeah. As a force ghost. Did we see a Force ghost in the previous two movies? We saw a Force ghost. I don't remember. We saw a Force ghost in uh, Empire Strikes Back. Was it Obi-Wan? It was Obi-Wan. Did we see him or did we just hear him? No, we we saw him. Okay. Now I'm going to ask you this, because I don't remember. Did people before 1996 see him? Uh, or was yeah. he added in later? No, no, no. So this, he was always there yeah, as a was, Force ghost? This was always a Force ghost thing since Empire Strikes Back. Because it happens right before... Uh, when uh, Luke is in, Luke is at Hoth, and he escapes the, uh, whatever the hell, that big-ass abdominal snowman, and he's out there in the snow, and he's like, you will go to the Dagobah system. So this is, so uh, we got a little crossed earlier. My bad. No, not your bad. Uh, it's Obi-Wan who, who tells Luke that he has a sister, uh-huh. and Luke senses that it's that it's Leia, um, but he tells him he needs to, to bury those feelings. Uh, not 
Not the love my, feelings. My, no, it's the my... feelings of, of, <laughs> I think, toward his father. You have to, you have to bury your feelings or turn to the dark side, I guess, mm. if you don't. Okay. Is that not how you interpreted that? No, I mean, like, when it comes to, I don't remember that, so, uh, so no, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't recall that. I mean, having just watched this movie, that's, it's been a couple of days since I've seen it, and sure. a lot's happened since then, so right. I don't really remember that part. Well, I think he was just trying to reinforce what Yoda was telling him, like, you need to, you need to put these, your feelings away, and you need to kill your dad. Well, I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, shit, that's heavy. Of course, That's yeah. But he's had the two most powerful people he's ever known tell him it now, Yoda and Obi-Wan. And if Luke won't listen to them, mm-hmm. what will he listen to? And de- technically, they are the Force, because now they are the Force ghosts. Exactly. So. And now, then some other things happen. This whole movie is full of full, full of moments that I don't really understand why they're there. There's So I'm not going to talk about them. There's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that just... It's to the point that right after... Right after he leaves Dagobah, it gets very boring. Well, and it just it, starts to get a little... Uh, it starts to drag. It's too many too many plot lines to follow, I feel mm-hmm. like. and it, I don't know. So they do, they're doing some weird stuff on, on the uh, teddy bear planet. But Luke <laughs> uh, has returned to uh, to Vader yeah. and the Emperor. Yeah. He's, Vader brings him to the Emperor. They have their, their daddy-son light, lightsaber battle. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that, that's about it. And what happens is, is that it, you know, as we progress in the movie, uh, the the one redeeming quality, as redemption is, is a big part of this big part of this movie, is when uh, Vader kills the Emperor. Right, and, and that uh, that equates him to going to the Force as being a Force ghost, coming Apparently. back as hating Christensen. Right, right, right. Bullshit. But anyway, right. um, yeah, he gets this moment where he gets to choose whether or not he's going to save Luke, mm-hmm. his son, or serve his emperor, mm-hmm. and he ultimately chooses to, in his dying moments to not serve the emperor, to not serve the emperor, and to save Luke. And despite having done horrific things, right, over the course of his lifetime, so you know, you have to ask, you know, is that I guess, you know, the Force the force works in its own way, so he gets to become a Force ghost by killing the most the most evil man in the galaxy. So. Yeah. So, blah, blah, blah. Then the movie turns into weirdness, and they're fighting. There's a, the Battle of Endor, where they're riding the speeders through the trees. Which and, is really cool, by the way. And uh, the trooper, stormtroopers are crashing into trees, and the bears are pulling booby traps and all kinds <laughs> of weird stuff. I still don't know why the Ewoks are there. Uh, I'm not sure. Still don't understand any of that. It's yeah. all very goofy. They're just like a like a cute parasite. On but the that happens. They uh, the Millennium Falcon blows up the Death Star again. I did like the moment where uh, Land uh, basically Han gives the keys to the Falcon to Lando, and he just really doesn't want to. No, he's and he terrified. just keeps thinking he's in the where they're in the 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 Imperial ship, and he's like, I just feel like I'm never gonna see her again. Yeah. <laughs> and that made me laugh. He loves that ship. Yeah. <laughs> He just at, loves that ship. At this point, he's he's more worried about losing the ship than he is Lando. He's yeah, like, he's just like Lando, or anything else. Like Lando, good luck. For God's sake, take care of my ship. And but you know, yeah. When you have a ship like that, would you cry if you lost it? Probably. He's um, been through a lot with that ship. That is true. Did the Kessel run? 
They did the Kessel Run. Uh, We're going to find out in the next movie. Yeah. And, I mean, essentially, and then as far as I'm concerned, the movie's over. They blow up the Death Star again. Really, for me, the movie ends when... Uh, yeah, there is And no we talked about this before recording. The movie ends when Luke and, and Vader have their moment, and Vader kills the Emperor. Yeah, there is and no And it's movie all just kind of, like, extended from then. Yeah, there is no... There is no more movie after that. No, they blow up the Death Star, they have their big party, and they celebrate. I do... I still don't understand or agree with giving Vader this this funeral send off. Mm-hmm. I still think he's the bad guy. I don't feel like one redeeming or one moment redeems you completely, but Well, I mean, granted, the only person who was at his funeral was Luke. Leia wasn't there. This is true. This so, is true. You know, it, maybe Luke felt like he owed him something. Yeah, probably. I mean, after all he is his dad. Only tried to kill him a dozen times, but <laughs> Uh, we saved that, him once. One thing that we haven't really talked about in, in our three episode series of the Star Wars is about uh, Vader and James Earl Jones, and that's a big get for this movie. And in this movie, we get to see the man underneath the mask for the first time. And there's there's some fun little behind the scenes stuff of the man who was the body of Darth Vader. David Prowse or Prousey? I don't know how to say uh, it. I don't know how to say his last name. I'm, I'm going to go with Prowse. Let's go with Prowse. So, in the second movie, uh, he I guess he was never really informed that they were going to use somebody else's voice. And, and, they, and people think that he's upset about that. And so I found an interview that he did where it said that he had done the voice in the first movie through the whole thing. But because of the mask, everything was so bad that it had to be re-recorded. And he said, but they forgot to get me to redub it before they went back to America. And that it was too expensive to fly him out there for a half dozen lines or so. So that's how they got James Earl Jones. According to him. Now there are also things that, that say he has been accused of leaking things to the media regarding the movie. Uh, so he was given like fake scripts... Uh, especially about, uh, he had a line during Empire that said that, oh, uh, in which he told Luke, Obi-Wan killed his father, not that he was the father. And then there is another thing where he was, uh, has changed the lines because he knew his, he wasn't going to be the voice. And so in the second one, he says, I think hemorrhoids do not concern me. I need a shit. <laughs> is what he said rather than the actual line of asteroids do not concern me admiral i want that ship not excuses yeah yeah you know what else probably annoyed this david prowse guy what's that when they take off the mask and they show vader as a weak guy that's still not him nope nope that's sebastian shaw so it's like why did he why was he even there right yeah and now he's been because of the accusation he, he and lucas apparently do not get along for obvious reasons based on these stories and He's not been contacted with all of the new Star Wars stuff going on. He's basically been ostracized from anything that is Star Wars. And now he's like an old man who's having memory problems and basically just goes to these Comic-Cons but is on the outside looking in of everything that is the current Star Wars. Wow. I feel sad for the guy. Way to bring it down. I know that's what I'm here for. Yeah, seriously. No, I mean... The more, as I, I like, 
uh, peruses guys Wikipedia, I'm more and more confused as to why he was there at all. It says he didn't even do the lightsaber battles because he kept breaking things. <laughs> so like, he wasn't the voice. He didn't do the battles. So he just stood there. It sounds like he was the moments when he was Vader. He just stood there. He was six foot six, which might have a reason. He was huge. Yeah, he's a big dude. That's been a thing that's been talked about for years: is uh, the relationship between. David Prowse, George Lucas, and the whole Darth Vader, James Earl Jones saga. Yeah. So I just thought it would be a little fun little fact. Yeah. All right. Well. Oh, here's another fun little fact. Oh, what you got? He actually trained Christopher Reeve in the title role of the first Superman. David Prowse did. Well, well, how about that? So. Well, that wraps up that movie. Um, (laughs) Let's talk about what we thought about it. Um, How would we rate it? How did we rate it? How did we rate the last one? I already so forgot. We did. We just. We didn't. Re, we kind of recorded these a little in a wonky order for the first series here, so we used Millennium Falcons for A New Hope. We ourselves didn't rate Empire, so we can do that now. I give that a five. Five. I give it a five. And then this one, ah, uh, for me, I just I would just give it a, a three Millennium Falcons. I give it a three because this is the th- this is the first one I've ever seen. I'll give it a I'll be fair and give it a three and a half. That's not fair because it's the first one you've seen. That's bias. I was gonna give it three and a half too. No, I just I, three and a half is I feel like it's a nominal number. I feel like anything below three is like an insult to Star Wars. But this is obviously better than the first trilogy. Three and a half Millennium Falcons. You don't think it's better than the prequel trilogy? This well, he said the first trilogy. This is the first trilogy, technically. It depends. Oh, on uh, you're gonna be that person. I'm huh? saying. I'm talking about the prequel trilogy. Um, yeah, I'll give it three and a half Millennium Falcons. Uh, one and a half Jabba tongues. Good <laughs> <laughs> Um, one of the things that we've been trying to do is so that that's our ratings. Where do we think it lands in the Rotten Tomatoes? Yes, it's time to play guess the score. I love this part. We want you guys to play with us too. Scale of 0 to 100% based on reviews that came out over the years, I assume. They usually dig up, for older movies, they usually dig up Uh original reviews. Where do we think Star Wars Return of the Jedi lands? I'm going to go to Andrew first. I'm going to go to... What what was the, what was Empire? 94. 94 was Empire. Okay. Oh, Empire? No, that was A New Hope. I don't remember what New was. Hope was 94. Uh-huh. Empire was... I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with 85. You're going to... So Andrew's guessing 85% for Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Okay. What are you going to go with? I'm going to go with... I'm sitting here thinking about it. A New Hope was 94. Empire was 93. You said 85. I'm going to go with... 78 78 that's my final answer okay i'm gonna go with 87 do you have the are, are you ready to yeah, reveal I'm ready. okay i was just getting uh the suspense ah and the answer is 80 Aha! last time we decided it was whoever was closest so i think yeah. i went again but andrew would have won uh no I still would have won. No, you still would have won. If it was the Price is Right rules. You were off by two. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. 80 what? 80? 80. 80%. Yep. Audience score of 94. Of course. Mm. I don't agree with that, but sure. 
All right, so we've played the game. Now we're at the end of a we're at the end of a trilogy. We're at the end of a of not at the end of a franchise per se, no. but we're moving on to something other than Star Wars from here. So let's what how would we rank these movies? I mean, I feel like I've got a pretty good idea of how we would rank them based on the mm-hmm. the ratings discussions we've had in the past. Mm-hmm. But how would you rank these, Andrew? Like Return, Empire, and A New Hope. For me, it's it's gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to start with the first one. Like the first one. A New one. Hope at the top of your A list. New Hope is at the top of my list because that right there was like, yeah, like you could watch that movie so many times without it ever get, without ever getting tired of it. Sure. Now, people will also argue about The Empire Strikes Back, and that's completely valid. I feel like The Empire Strikes Back is a movie on its own, but for me, Star Wars is what started it all. So, I don't. I'm gonna have to go with A New Hope. Okay. Followed by Empire and then Followed Return. Followed by Imp- Empire is a very close second. And Return of the Jedi just trails. Yeah, I'm going to go Empire, New Hope, Return of the Jedi. Yeah. That's my order. Yeah, I'd do the same. Cool. Right. Well, that was easy. Yeah. That was easier than I thought it would be. So since we're also at the end of a franchise, uh, well, let's talk about where the franchise is now. This is an easy one. Yeah. Now that Star Wars is back and swinging big time. Yeah. Uh, wasn't that way just uh, several years ago. No. But once Disney purchased Lucasfilm from George Lucas and all the rights to the Star Wars franchise, they have put it into high gear. We're two movies into the sequel trilogy to uh, to that original yeah. trilogy. Gosh, the timelines are so wonky yeah mm-hmm. so we had the force awakens which is a sequel to the return of the jedi the last jedi just came out and now we're all anxiously awaiting episode nine in the future mm-hmm. and then there's the spin-off movies we got yeah. rogue one and solo is coming out soon so is there another one coming out not announced episode but nine. definitely ryan johnson is taking doing over his... and doing a completely different trilogy yep uh the episode nine will be the end of the skywalker series and then Ryan Johnson's out. doing something else. Uh, Disneyland and Disney World are getting gigantic Star Wars parks that are supposed to open in 2019, I believe. It's There's so going to be a exciting. Star Wars hotel where guests are given parts. So it is in full swing and um, yeah. controversial. Star Wars Rebels is about to start its final season All with right. the TV show. I would not be surprised if there's another new TV show announced in the future. Yeah, I'm. I Fingers crossed, I'm hoping for a live action show. That's what I really want. I really really want it, and I suspect, this is my very early prediction, we'll get a live-action Star Wars TV show exclusive to Disney's new streaming service when it launches in a couple years. That's my prediction. That sounds very valid. That's my prediction. You'll have to subscribe to watch it. That's what I think is going to happen. While we're making predictions. Oh, we're going to do... Okay. I just want to make one prediction. I want it on on record of saying it, because I don't have any other way of getting it other than being recorded. Sure. Uh... I am taking a chance and predicting that the title of episode 9 for Star Wars will be something along the lines of A New Order or Jedi Order or some something along those lines. I think that I, I've seen uh, Last Jedi five times and I've paid attention to the dialogue and I think that based on the wording that I heard a lot, I think it's going to have something to do with A New Order. Or Order of the Jedi. Hmm. Something again. I think it'll be called Return of the Je- Oh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. But that's my that's my thinking. It's very possible. We'll see. We'll see. Probably in another year or so when they announce that. I don't know. It'll be a while though. Yeah. But that that's the end of this episode. 
we're done with Star Wars for now. Maybe someday we'll come back to the prequels. Uh, maybe someday we'll come back to whatever they call the current trilogy. I don't even know. I don't know what they call it. I don't uh, know that it has a name. I think it's just Star the Wars sequel stories. Trilogy. Maybe so. I'm just going to call Andrew it Andrew just named it that. The so. Star Wars stories. So the next time... So Disney, if you want to trademark me, you can just give me a call. Yeah, I'm sure they'll do that. So next time, we're going to be talking about uh, something way different from Star Wars. We're going to jump into Ace Ventura, a pet detective. Uh, I don't think that they're that dissimilar. Yeah, they're you pretty similar. You have a similar. hero with supernatural Jedi mind tricks to be able to communicate with animals. Yeah, uh, sure. It, yeah. They're pretty similar. I don't know. I'm excited. It's uh, it's going to be our first uh, look at uh, what will become the juggernaut that is Jim Carrey. It's kind of his first big yeah. uh, movie role, if I remember right, Yeah. He after he got uh, got around on In Living Color. It's so definitely it's, his breakout role. Breakout role is the yeah. term I was looking for. So look for that coming up soon in your podcast feed. Uh, leave us a rating and a review on the iTunes store. We like that. I hear that it helps us uh, or, I, or whatever other thing you're listening on. I don't really know how they all work, but if you're listening on a thing that lets you rate and review, do that. Tune in on your Zoom. <laughs> yeah, tune in on your Zoom if you still have those. They might work still. They might I work. don't know. My mom still has one. Does she? Yeah. We'll have to see if we can get a podcast on all it. All right. Uh, until then, uh, keep watching movies.